How are y'all doing this morning? Good. I'm so glad y'all are here. As, as Amy said, my name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor uh, here at Fellowship Asheville. And, and let me tell you what I've been praying for today. Uh, you hear me say this a lot, and I'm going to tell you what I mean by it. I, I, I pray that, that as we come into this place and as we worship and as we hear God's word being taught, uh, that we will leave this place different than we came in, that we will leave this place with more faith and trust in Jesus than we had coming in. And in particular, here's what I hope happens today. Uh, today, I hope that during the sermon, you get to see the, the personal aspect of God, that he really does love you and that he likes you. And then uh, we're going to do something right after that where I hope you get to see the bigness of God. Because here's, here's what is exciting about today. Today, you are going to get a 25-minute sermon. Now, for some of you, that is really exciting right? Um, uh, because we, after that, we're going to do, do some worship through song, and then we're going to have the Dominican Republic team that just got back a couple of weeks ago from their time in the Dominican Republic share about their experience right after. And so, so, so that's what I'm hoping. You get to see the personal side of God, of Jesus, like loving you during the message, but then through their testimony about what God did in the DR, you get to see the bigness of God, that, that Jesus is working uh, in all parts, in all corners corners of the world and that we uh, get to be a part of that. Now here's the other exciting part about today in the, in the scriptures that we're going to look at is we're going to see Jesus ask what I consider to be uh, the most important question that he asks uh, out of this series that we're looking at. And here's, here's why. Because the question we're going to see Jesus ask today is a question that he asks every follower of Jesus. That if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you are asked this question by him. And so go ahead and turn to Matthew 16. We're going to be in verses 13 through 20. And, and, and we're in a series called Questions, uh, where we've been looking at the questions that Jesus asked. Not the questions that we have about Jesus. There's lots of those, right? But, but as we look at the Gospels, we see that Jesus asked 400 questions, over 400, of the people that followed him. And, and, and the Gospels, you know, repeat those questions. Uh, quite a bit because the different gospel writers picked up on that. But, but over 400 questions Jesus asked. And he did that uh, to, 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 to draw something out. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been asked a thought-provoking question? Right? Have you been, ever been asked a question like this? Like, what excites you about your day? Like kids, when you come home from school, do your parents ever ask you, like, what, what was good about today? What, what excited you about today? Right? And you ask those questions and, and, and it makes you think and it makes you pause. Or what's this? How about this question? What's the difference between living and existing? Right? That's a thought-provoking question. One of, one, of, one of my favorite questions is, that, is this one. Like if you had a friend who spoke to you the same way that you speak to yourself, how long would you allow them to be your friend? Like that'll, that'll make you think, won't it? Or, or, or what about this one? Which activities make you lose track of time? Like in our house, Legos make some people in our house lose track of time. I'm not one of those. Legos, I'm like counting the minutes until we're done. There's a particular person in my house that sorting the Legos makes her lose track of time, right? She loves it. Not me. Like, what activities make you lose track? See, these are, these are great questions, right? Because they're designed to do what the questions of Jesus did. They're, they're designed to make you stop and think. Because when you answer them, 
what you do is you show something about yourself, right? And the questions that Jesus asks are designed to do the same thing. They're designed to, to make people stop and think, and then they're designed to allow them to, 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 to see Jesus as more and as bigger and as better than they thought they did. And in the questions that Jesus asks, there is this invitation not just to see him as more than you thought, but it's this invitation to grow to trust him even more through those questions. And today's question, I think, is really is the most important question that Jesus asks. And here's what I hope. I hope we'll allow all of us, that I hope we'll allow the question to do the work that the question is designed to do in our hearts and souls. And so, so, so look at Matthew um, uh, verse 13 says this, chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came to the district of, Ces- of Caesarea Philippi, right? Now I want to stop there because, because um, uh, this is a unique uh, area that Jesus goes to. He takes his disciples there. And, 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 and what you have to know about Jesus as a teacher and as a, as a, as a preacher is that he was incredibly creative when he taught. And, and he used not just words to teach, but he taught through actions. He taught through stories and narratives. That's where we get the parables. But he also like used the background around him as, as a way to teach. And this city that he's in, this little village that he's in, is a city where Greeks lived. Right There, there, there weren't a whole lot of Jewish people that lived there. It was a Greek uh, village. And so because of that, there were, there were these 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 places of worship for gods. You know, there was this, this cave where people would go to worship uh, the god of, uh, called Pan, the god of, of nature. Before that, there was even uh, Baal worship, which is another false god. And then, uh, brand new to the area, was this white marble temple that was dedicated to the Caesar, where people could go there and worship the Caesar, worship the leader of Rome. Right? And so all of that was going on. And even what's, what's amazing is even as archaeologists continue to, to dig up the city, they find these ancient shrines to cults, and, and some of them are visible today. And so you can see that, 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 that this city was this place of worship to all these foreign gods. And so what I want you to do is to put yourself in the disciples' shoes and, and picture Jesus standing there in this city and in this village where all this worship was going on behind him. You can see the, the marble temple dedicated to Caesar. You can see the cave where people are coming in and out of, of their worship, a pan. You can see these, these shrines to cults and false gods, and some of them are brand spanking new, and some of them have been there for hundreds, if not thousands of years and, and are still used, and some of them are in shamble. And in all of that, all of that, imagine that Jesus, as the backdrop to Jesus' teaching, he asks his disciples this question. In verse 13, he says, Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Right? And so he's got all this stuff going on behind him, and he asks his disciples, Hey, hey, what are people saying about me? Like, what, what are y'all hearing that people are saying about me. And because son of man was a term used to describe Jesus, right? And Jesus is asking, among all these places of worship, right? In the midst of all these false gods, what are people saying about me? Are they saying like I'm like Baal? Are they saying I'm like Pan? Are they saying I'm like Caesar? Are they saying I'm like, like some other, other god? What are, what are they saying? In verse 14, it says, And some of them said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
Right? And so the disciples respond with like, hey, actually, you know what? People are giving you pretty positive reviews. Right? Because these guys in their history were reformers, right? They were godly men who, who spoke the word of God. They were leaders. And, and, and what I find interesting about this is, is their response, I think, holds what most people who don't follow Jesus. Now, now hear me say most people, right? This is what most people who don't follow Jesus think about Jesus, and it's this. They think that Jesus is a great guy, Right? So if you think about people who don't follow Jesus, most of them will acknowledge that, yeah, Jesus was this great guy. Like, like, like he, was, he was a wise man. I've heard that before in talking to people that don't know Jesus. Oh, yeah, he was really smart. He was wise, right? Like he knew, he, he knew what was going on. Or, or I've also heard that, 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 man, he was a teacher who changed the world, right? Like they acknowledge that Jesus' presence changed things. Right? That Jesus made the world a better place. I've heard that, oh, man, what a great leader Jesus was. Can you imagine if he was CEO of some company? Like, like he's the best leader that I've ever seen, the best leader that I've ever heard. Right? But here's what Jesus does. Jesus has a better question for his disciples, a much more specific and pointed question. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says this. And he says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's, that's our question today. That's, that's our important question that, that Jesus asked. You see, it's one thing to know what others think about Jesus, right? That others think, yeah, he's a really great guy. But our question today is this question that comes from Jesus. Who do you say that I am, right? Like, what do others say is plural and it's general? What are, what are they saying out there? But Jesus is getting very, very specific. Who do you say that I am? Well, let's see what happens. Look at verse 16. And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, what, what most commentators believe is that Peter is speaking up for the disciples. Like, they've had this conversation. They've been with Jesus for a while. And so Peter's not saying, this is just what I believe. Peter's saying, hey, this is what we believe. As, as, as your disciples, as the people who follow you, we believe that you are the Christ. Which, is, which means that it's, it's the, the Greek translation of this word called Messiah which takes all the history of the Jewish faith of pointing to one day a Messiah will come and, and, and bring salvation to the nation. One day God will send someone who will make all the wrongs of the world right. That one day we will have this person that fulfills all of God's promises. And the title of that person is Messiah. And Peter says, you are that guy. You are the guy the nation of Israel has been waiting for. But then Peter adds this other descriptive that you are the son of the living God. Now keep in mind, behind Jesus in our imagination are all these, are all these places of worship. There's this, the temple to Caesar, the, the, the cave for the worship of Pan, all these other shrines and, and all this stuff. And, and, and some of them are new and some of them are old and some of them are used and some of them are torn apart and torn down. And all of that's behind Jesus. And what Peter is doing is, is all of these gods in the distance that, that represent these, these little G gods that are distant and far off and people have to do all this stuff to make them happy happy and to, to, keep them, to keep them satisfied, Peter is saying in the midst of all that, that Jesus, you 
are actually the son of the living God. Not the one that, like that shrine over there that looks like nobody's been there in hundreds of years. Not the one over there that's made out of white marble and brand spanking new to worship some, some political leader. You are the son of the living God, the present God. And so get this, with all of this backdrop of worship, Peter is essentially saying this, that Jesus, you are the place where we worship God. And so Jesus is, for those of you who are doing, the, doing the, the, the Jesus is and Jesus is not, Jesus is the place we worship God. Right? That's who Jesus is. And that's what, that's what the disciples are saying. That, that by calling Jesus the son of the living God, Peter is saying, Jesus, you are the place that we worship God. Right? When we worship you, we worship God. When we worship Jesus, we worship God. Which means essentially Peter is saying this. And let's allow this to just sink in for a moment. Peter is saying, Jesus, all that God has, you have. All that God is, Jesus is. All that God does, Jesus is does. If you want to know God, then you know the Jesus standing right in front of you. You know the Jesus who's asking you the question, who do you say that I am? And so you've got to think, like if Peter's speaking for the disciples, it's a very pointed question. Peter might be wondering, like, right, did I get this right? Like, did I get the right answer? You know, like, like how do I, right? This is what you are, right? Because let me ask you, have you ever answered a question and thought, you know, like, you say the answer, and there's that two seconds of silence. And you're like, what just happened? Did I get the answer right? Did I get the answer wrong? Well, Jesus steps right into that for Peter. Because look at what he says in verse 17. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus looks at Peter and looks at his disciples and he said, you got this right. And he even, he even uses his full name. Now listen, when somebody uses your full name, that means you either got it really right or you did something really wrong, right? Like whenever my mom said, Fred Neal Baker Jr., get in here right now, right? It wasn't because I cleaned my room. Right? It was because I did something wrong and I was about to find out what it was. But it also means that sometimes you do something right. Like, like when you graduate from high school or you graduate from college, they say your full name in front of God and everybody, right? I guess just to make sure it's you. I'm not sure why, but, but they do, right? Because it's this, it's this picture of, yes, you, you did it. You got this right. That's what, that's what, what Jesus is doing is he's using his, his full name. Now, now what Jesus is going to do next is he's going to say, not only did you get the answer, right. I'm going to tell you what the implications of that right answer is. I'm going to tell you what happens when Jesus is the place that we worship God. And, and these verses, I got to tell you, these verses right after this have caused lots of, of questions, right? Lots of controversy. But I think when we see this, the way that Peter describes it, actually a lot of that controversy and all that stuff kind of melts away. Look at verse 18. Because Peter says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right now, here's what we have to know. Peter's name, the, the name that Jesus just used the full name of, Peter's name means rock, right? And, and if you were to translate it. And so what Jesus is doing here is I think he's having a little bit of fun with, with Peter's name, right? Because when you're in a group and everybody's getting the right answer, there's, there's like a little fun in the air, right? And so what Jesus is saying, he's like, listen, Rocky, you got the right answer, right? 
And as a matter of fact, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, here's where, here's where the, the confusion has come in. Because they've been like, okay, what rock is Jesus talking about that he's going to build his church on? Is it Peter? Because Peter's name means rock. So does that, is that what Peter's going to, is that what Jesus means that he's going he's to build the, the church on Peter? The answer to that is simply no. And you can read your Bible and see that because it's not long, like, like literally the next page or turn the page, like depending on, on where this is in your Bible, where, where Peter makes this huge mistake and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And if, you're, if you want to think, well, that's because the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. He hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Then, then okay, then let's go to the book of Acts. And you see Peter make these, these critical mistakes. Like so much so that Paul, kind of the newcomer to the game, has to rebuke Peter because he did something so wrong that if it allowed to continue would destroy this new thing called the church. So let's hope that Jesus' words aren't that he's going to build the church on a human. Right? Because if so, then all we're going to do is make mistakes and mess it up. Some people say, well, then it's, it's Peter's words. It's, it's what he said, that, that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God. And, and, and maybe, I mean, I can see that. But, but what I think Jesus is saying here is I think Jesus is saying that the, the rock he's referring to is himself. I think he's saying, good job, Rocky. You got the right answer. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. On Jesus, the church is built, as I think is what what he is saying. Because if, 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 if it's on Peter, it gets really confusing. If it's on Peter's words, then what's about to happen next is going get, to get really confusing too. But if it's on the fact that Jesus says, I will build my church, Jesus says. Not your church, Peter. Not the church of your words, Peter. But I'm going to build my church. Then that changes everything. Right? Because, because what Peter is saying is that on Jesus, the church is built. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That if Jesus is the one who builds the church, if he's the foundation of the church, then there's nothing that can stop it. Now, I introduced myself when I came up here and I said, I'm the lead pastor. And I, I use that term because that's kind of what our culture understands. Some of you may understand senior pastor, depending on your church tradition, or just pastor, depending on your church tradition. But, but lead pastor means that it's my responsibility to, to shepherd the resources of this church. And I get to lead the, the, the direction and, and, and the teaching and, and the vision of the church. But, but here's what y'all need to understand. When I say I'm the lead pastor, I'm not the boss of the church. I've got, because everybody submits to somebody, right? And I've got elders who are my boss. And then as elders, we've got Jesus who is the boss of the church. Matter of fact, there was one kid that, that uh, I dearly love, and I hope I can live up to the person he thinks that I am. Because, because one time he's like, you know, Fred, the boss of church, Right? And he's incredibly wrong, but, but the way he looks at me with those eyes, I'm like, gosh, I just wish I could live up to that. Right? Right? But, but Jesus is the head of the church. And here's why. Because if Jesus is the head of this church, the gates of hell can't win. But if Fred is the, is the, the head of this church, guess what? We've lost. We've lost. Right? Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, see, that gets really weird, right? If, if it's based on Peter, it gets really confusing. If it's even just his words, his confession, it gets confusing. Because then you're like, okay, what, what, what are the keys? What are they, what are they open? What do they close? What, what power is given to him? What's, what is bound in heaven and bound on earth and loosed in heaven and loosed in earth? But see, here's what we have to remember. This isn't about 
about Peter. Like all of Scripture, it's about Jesus. Right? And so Jesus is saying that with Jesus as the place that we worship God, with Jesus as the builder of this, of this thing called the church, then through Jesus we get to see what heaven is like right here on earth. Right? We get to see how heaven works, that the church that's built on Jesus and the church that Jesus builds is different than the rest of the way the, way the world works. That through Jesus' church, we get to see heaven on earth. Do we get to see it fully? No. Y'all remember at stores when they did things called samples? Right? You remember that? And, and you would walk up and taste a piece of granola bar like it was the first granola bar you've ever tasted, right? And you start, oh, where, where do you keep that? This is so yummy. This is so good. Like, like the church gets to be a sample of heaven. Right? The church that's, that's built on Jesus, the church where Jesus is the place where we worship God, gets to be the place where we sample heaven. Now, now let's, let's be vulnerable for a minute, minute because I know church, for some of you, maybe some of you online, some of you here, church has also been a place where you got to sample hell on earth. And I want to acknowledge that. And I want to say that as a pastor, as a person who stands up and teaches the word of God, your pain is real. And it shouldn't have happened, but it did. And it is sad. And, I, and, 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 and the church is better. Right? But when the church is built on Jesus, that's when we get to sample a little bit of heaven. Right? When we... When I say we, not just me, but when we as a church are in this life-giving relationship with Jesus, where he is, as, as Jenna said, that, that, that he is the one who reigns over everything, not, not my fear, not, not my worries, not my anxiety. When Jesus is the one who, who reigns over everything, something happens when we get together. We get to taste a little bit of heaven, Right? When we serve each other the way Jesus has served us, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of someone else, we get to experience this contentment of heaven, right? When we forgive others as Jesus has forgiven us, we get to experience a little sample of the peace of heaven. When we love unconditionally the way Jesus has loved us unconditionally, we get to experience a little bit of the joy of heaven. And so you see, here's, here's this important question today. It's this. It's who do you say that Jesus is, right? That's the question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a good guy? Is he a great guy? Is he, is he a world changer? Is he, or is he the one that, that, that holds the world together? Is he a social reformer or is he a savior, right? Is he, is he a good guy or is he God? That's the question that's asked. Because you see, your answer to this question, a question that I think everybody must answer, your question is the question that every follower of Jesus must answer to be a follower of Jesus. You have to decide what Jesus is to you. You have to answer this question, who do you say that Jesus is? Right? Because your answer changes everything. 
Because if you say that he is Savior, if you say that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that he is my Savior, you get to be a part of what he's doing in this thing called the church. And I don't just mean Fellowship Asheville. I mean mean Big C Church all around the world like we're going to hear about from the Dominican Republic team. Like like you get to be a part of what what Jesus is doing all a part of the world. And when, when you're a part of that organization where Jesus is the foundation and Jesus is the builder, it is the only guarantee. The, the only organization that's guaranteed success because it's about Jesus, right? And so will you say yes to Jesus being the place that you worship God? Because any other kind of worship is dead and, and it's like those shrines that archaeologists are still discovering. They're just old, right? Now for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, Here's a little twist on that question today. You know, it, Jenna picked up on it. Who, who do you say Jesus is today? Who do you say Jesus is right now? Right? Is he the one who builds your life like he builds the church? Is he the foundation of your life? Or is, or is tradition the foundation of your life? Is, 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 is your own ability the foundation of your life? What is the foundation of your life? Because if it's anything other than Jesus, that needs to change. Right? Because if it does change, then, then let me tell you, if Jesus is the one who builds your life like he builds the church, then there is confidence for you today. Right, That whatever comes your way, Jesus can handle. Is it a tough test? Is it that you didn't make the team? Is it that friends have left you? You see, with Jesus, with Jesus, right? he can keep you and he can get you through whatever it is that comes your way. If, if Jesus is the builder of your life, there is hope for you today. Right? Because all of God's promises do find their answer in Jesus. All of life's problems find their answer in Jesus. And if you feel like God has forgotten you, he hasn't because he can't forget his son. And so he can't forget you. There is hope. If Jesus is the builder of your life, there is worship for you today. Right? With Jesus, we see and we experience and we worship God. And so, so, so what do you need today? Because your answer is found in Jesus. Now, uh, Matt's mentioned this before when he's taught. We did a whole series on it. We'll do another deeper dive on it in the future. But we have this thing called a thrive angle, right? And, and a thrive angle is, is this triangle that is, uh, picture a triangle in your head. And I want you to picture uh, uh, with Jesus at the top of it, in God's word, and four others on the corners, Right? And, and that's how we picture discipleship here at Fellowship Asheville. If you are walking with Jesus, if you are in God's word regularly, you are serving others, it is a very simple picture of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And we put with Jesus at the very top because that is our heart behind it. We, we, we want you to see that this is what we mean by following Jesus, that he is at the top and he is, he is with you. I was recently chatting with another pastor about the effects of the pandemic, like, like on, our, on our ministries and, and more importantly about what it did to our souls to go through a pandemic when, when church was virtual and some ministries had to shut down completely. And, uh, and, and, and as we were talking through that, it's, I, I was like, in my memory, taken back to March of 2020 when we had to make the decision to go virtual and God brought this great team together to figure that out and, and, and to move stuff forward. And I remember at the very beginning of that, as I prayed and I was like, God, I have no idea 
what we're doing. We've never been through a pandemic before. There's no books that I can grab real quick and read. Like, what do we do? And I remember Jesus just being present with me and just telling me, I just follow him. Just follow him step by step, day by day, and we'll get through this. And and as I was talking to this pastor, I just got more and more thankful, not only for his journey through this with Jesus, but for my journey through this, because I can honestly say I know Jesus better today than I did in March 2020. Because he walked with me that closely through this. Y'all, like so closely there are times I thought I could smell the man, right? It wasn't bad, you know, but, but, but uh, it was that close. And I mean that metaphorically, kind of not really. But still, like, like we were that close walking, walking through this. And here's the deal. It's possible for you and for me to know life with Jesus better today than we did yesterday. And church, that's what I want for you, Right? And with this in mind, keep this last verse in there too, because it's an odd verse. It says, then he strictly charges his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. In other words, he wanted people to experience this truth for themselves. To take all that he did and to sort it through their own soul and then through their own head and to answer the question themselves, who do you say that I am? Because you can't let your grandparents answer that question for you. You can't let your parents answer that question for you. You have to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? And so today, who do you say Jesus is today? That's the question. And the temptation will be to like let the answer to that question just linger and disappear. Well, here's, here's the application to this text today. Because your answer to this question kind of depends on you. And your application for this is to ask the question, who, who do I say Jesus is today? And then live in that answer. Live in the answer of who Jesus is today. For that day, for that moment, and ask it again when you need it. Let's pray. Jesus Um, You are the one that we worship God. When we worship you, we worship the Father. And and, and you're the one that builds the church. You're the one that builds this church. And for, for all of that, I am incredibly, incredibly thankful. And I pray as we go into this time of of worship, as we go into this time of song, that, Lord, you would be glorified. That you would be the one that that we see. You would be the one that we feel. You would be the one that we know. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.